listening to Miller and Moulton, exclusively on the Florida Sports Network. And now, here's Mark Miller and David Moulton. It is the third and final hour of Miller and Moulton in Lake City and surrounding areas, Tampa, St. Pete, Port Charlotte, and Venice. We're just halfway home for those in the 239. Miller and Moulton, the Florida Sports Network, floridasportsnetwork.com. Seth Everett to join us in a little more than 35 minutes' time. We'll do bracketology with Shelby Mast in our bonus hour. But right now, John Wood, the lead on-course reporter for NBC and the Golf Channel, is kind enough to join us. A reminder, the players gets underway tomorrow. NBC, Golf Channel, Peacock, Thorough coverage, Thursday, Friday coverage beginning at noon, weekend coverage beginning at 1 o'clock. John, it's David and Mark. Thanks for your time. How are you? David, Mark, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. All right. Just a personal preference. You know, you caddied in this sucker a couple dozen times. March or May, Which? when do you like this course better? Well, that's a great, that's a great question. I like it this time of year. Um, just because it, I think it's a little tougher. The wind is typically more out of the north. Um, when we had it in May, it was kind of a southerly, warmer wind. The ball went a lot farther. Um, uh, you know, I, I think it maybe it was better for the fans in May, but in terms of playability and watching guys play this golf course, I like it this time of year. Do you like this course? I mean, I know not everybody. Well, it's not everybody's cup of tea. I love the course. Do you like this course? I, I love it. Absolutely love it as a caddy, as an announcer. Um, I think it's the fairest course that the PGA Tour plays all year long. You look at the list of champions, and there's just not one type of guy on it. It's it's whoever plays best with every facet of their game clicking that week wins the golf tournament, and that's not always the case. So I think I love the course. I think it's the fairest test that they play all year long. Okay. How much in the players' heads is 17, really? <laughs> a lot. Uh, I mean, a lot. It's, um, you know, I think maybe Thursday and Friday, you know, not so much because um, at that point you're kind of still treating it as just another wedge or 9-iron, 8-iron, whatever you're hitting in there. Um, and it's, you know, these guys are so good. If they are confident with the club's decision and the choice of shot they're hitting, they're going to hit a good shot. But when it starts coming down late Saturday and late Sunday, and you know there literally isn't a, a lead that's comfortable because of that hole, um, you know, you catch the wrong wind or you catch something a little thin or hit the wrong club, all of a sudden you're hitting the panic button. Um, it's just, it's uh, especially this time of year when you get the breezes up. Uh, when it was down in May, um, typically the wind in May was kind of a helping right to left wind which made the hole much easier. It was gap wedges for these guys. Um, now, with the into left to right or a, a hurting wind, you know, they're having to flight nine irons in there, flight eight irons sometimes, and it's just a completely different animal. So, uh, you know, late on Saturday, late on Sunday, when you know what's on the line, uh, it's, it's just uh, it's, it's, it's almost more of a mental test than it is a physical test. Who, in your estimation, is the best player in the world right now? John Rahm. I would say John Rahm. Um, it's so uh, it's so tight right now, to be honest with you. Between I think you know a lot of guys, but especially those top three right now with Rahm, Scheffler, and McElroy. Um, you know, you can flip, literally flip a coin and and say which one's put best, and it's going to go week by week. I think all year long. I don't think anybody's going to hold this number one spot for 
an extended period of time this year, maybe a few weeks, and then it'll change hands. And um, I think it's going to be a fascinating year with, with, with flipping the, the number one player. But right now I would have to say John Rahm with what he's done early this year. He's John Wood, the lead on-course reporter for NBC and the Golf Channel. They begin their coverage of the players tomorrow, Thursday, Friday. Their coverage begins at noon. On Saturday, Sunday, their coverage begins at 1 o'clock. Um, who's the next Max Homa, in your opinion? You know, the guy who three years ago was maybe scuffling, and now he's definitely top 10 player in the world, probably top five. Who's the guy that you think you know? If it was 20 years ago and I was still caddying, I'd like this guy's back. That's a really good question. Um, I really like a, a guy named Davis Riley. Um, he's got one of the, I think, one of my favorite swings in golf right now. Um, he's had some success. He's had some top fives and top tens. Um, I think he's around 60th in the world or so right now. But um, I just love this kid's golf swing. And um, he, I think he lost in, in a playoff in Tampa last year to Sam Burns. But um, that's a that's a guy I think you know in two three four years we're going to look at as uh, as one of the real real good players in the game. Is Rory going to get a major this year? We were talking a little earlier. You know he's become the yeah. face of the tour now. He he is the guy. He is the spokesperson. He's running everything there is to do with this tour. At some point he's got to win a major. Is this year it gets done? Yes, I will say unequivocally yes. I think he, you know. I think taking everything that he's taken on the last couple of years with everything that's gone on in golf, um, I was so impressed with not only his willingness to do that, to take it on his shoulders and be the leader for the PGA Tour, but he also played some really good golf. And I think now that everything is kind of settled down and it's going to be all about golf again, I think he's probably breathing a little bit of a sigh of relief right now that, that all that should be behind us right now. Um, and he can just start playing golf again. I just, I just think the world of the guy, and I think he's, uh, I think he's going to win one this year. I, I would, I would bet money on it. John, in your, you know, two dozen years caddying on tour, you've caddied for top ten players in the world like Hunter Mahan and Matt Kuchar, and you've caddied for rank and file guys. All right, the revamp tour going forward. How is it really going over? Obviously, top 60, top 70 player in the world. How could you not like it? But, you know, there's actually more guys not top 60, top 70 on tour than there are. are. How is this going to play going forward? I think for the fans, it's going to be fantastic. 100% fantastic. You look at the designated events that we've had this year, and they've all been phenomenal. Heavy yes. hitters at the top, fighting it out. It's been incredible, and I think you're going to see a lot more of that because those guys are going to show up and play against each other more often. Um, my my deal in golf, whenever somebody um, you know it, it complains about the, the situation or complains about the format of something, golf is so unique that you don't need a coach for playing time. You don't need a scout to say, I think this guy's got some potential. You don't need an agent to get your big money contract. It's on you. So if you don't like it, the easy answer is go play better, and you will like it. Um, it's not like these guys, you know, were picked out of a hat to, to play in the designated events. This wasn't luck. These guys have played the best golf over a long period of time, and that's why they're they're playing in those events. But the guys who aren't in there now, there's no reason, there's nothing holding you back from playing in those events except for you. If you play great golf, you're there. So 
Um, I think the tour is doing a great thing in, in catering more to the big-name players, the guys who sell tickets, the guys who bring eyes to the television set. And uh, I, think, I think it's a good thing in the long run. Do you think James Hahn was an outlier, or do you think there are a lot more of the rank and file that feel the way he did and, and really aren't saying it? Um, I think there's probably a lot of guys who feel that way, but I think, I think if they really dig down deep, they know that there's – they know that that is – they don't – if they change it or make it more, um, you know, easier for the rank and file, the, the lower – the higher rank, lower rank guys, um, you know, that's – that's kind of just giving things away for, for no reason for, for, you know, at this level, average golf. Um, I think, I think deep down they all realize, Hey, I, I got to play better period. You know, if, if I don't play better, that's, that's on me. So I think there's probably a lot of people who feel that way, but they know the deal. And, um, you know, every other sport, the, the, the highest play, the, you know, the best players make the most money and, uh, you know, golf's just kind of moving in that direction more, I think. Is there a type of player that plays better on this course? Because, like, we all know the type of player that plays well at Augusta. And, you know, we know the type of player who consistently plays well in U.S. Opens. But, you know, the list of winners is all over the place with this event. And even some guys who have won have only had, like, one or two really good finishes and 15 awful ones. So I'm just curious, you know, is there a type of player that you think plays well at the players? I think it's not a physical thing here in my mind. I mean, you just you just you know listed all those guys who've won. In my mind, it's guys who can handle the mental test and the emotional test of this all course because it, there's there's uh, you know a lot of courses you play you get some holes off here and there. You think okay, I, this one I can just skate walk through this one. That hole doesn't exist out here, um, and you're going to hit some shots out here that maybe technically you don't. They're unfair. I mean, you hit a good shot that might not turn out because the wind turns around uh, right in the middle of your swing or you get a bad bounce. Uh, but the guys who can handle that and just say, okay, you know, Tiger, I think, was the best of all time at that. Wherever his ball ended up, his fault or somebody else's fault, he'd find it and just hit it again, you know, kind of emotionless. So I think the guys who are toughest mentally uh, do well on this course, and that's, that's, who, that's who this course suits. Since you were a longtime caddy before you went into broadcasting, what's the number one thing that you think, you know, when when you were on the bag for a win, was it reading greens or was it keeping your guy calm? What was it that you think was the best number one thing you had to do? I think keeping your, your guy in the right frame of mind. Um, obviously, if he's, if, any, if he's near the lead, he's playing well, period. Um, you know, you can't fake it. You, if you're, you, so the physical part is there, obviously. Uh, but, you know, I think the best caddies, um, the Joe LaCavas, the Paul Tesoris, uh, the Bones, um, they really focus on, you know, Ted, Teddy Scott, who works for, for Scotty Scheffler. Um, I think they, they're, the X's and O's are one thing. They're all getting right yardages. Most of the time they're giving good advice in terms of the club. But there's an X factor in those guys in that they are paying attention to their players' personalities. Are they walking faster? Are they talking faster? Are they walking with their head down? Um, are they doubting every time they hit a shot? Are they taking longer to hit a shot? Those guys are noticing those things and, and mentally figuring out ways to handle it, whether it's to, to talk about something else in between shots and kind of 
you know, make it a little lighter or joke around or, or to get in their face occasionally, honestly, and say, hey, look, quit moping around. You're a great player. Let's go. Um, I think that's what separates uh, the good caddies from the great caddies. John, have a great week. Enjoy the players. Thanks, Thanks for your guys. time. Thanks for watching. It'll be a great week. John Wood, part of NBC, the Golf Channel, and Peacock's coverage. Thursday, Friday, it begins at noon. Saturday, Sunday, it begins at 1 o'clock. The players, the so-called fifth major. The defending champ will have to buy a ticket to this event if he wants to go. Said he might. <laughs> he lives eight minutes away. He plays practice rounds there. Good friends with the pro and the groundskeeper and everything. Maybe you'll cut the greens over the course of the weekend. <laughs> Miller and Moulton, thanks so much for listening. Seth Everett in 25 minutes right here on the Florida Sports Network. You're listening to Miller and Moulton exclusively on the Florida Sports Network. Twenty-one minutes past the hour. Miller and Moulton, Florida Sports Network, Florida Sports Network. Seth Everett to join us in a little more than 15 minutes time. Thanks so much for being with us. Did you see Brady's tweet yesterday? Loved it. And his social media ever since he left New England and he went to Tampa, don't know who he hired, don't know if he still got people on the payroll handling social media. I'm guessing he does. It's good. He's funny. Right. Witty. Self-deprecating. Uh-huh. For being a superstar. Arguably the sport's biggest ever. Man. So, you know, there's all this talk of, you know, Brady's going to under-retire. And, you know, Rich Eisen said it was one of his top five rumors coming back from the Combine and you know, hey, you know, the Dolphins still haven't picked up the fifth-year option on Tua. If he gets hurt, Brady lives there, you know. They're just going to pick up the phone. They're going to call him. That's what the thought is around the league. One more concussion, and Brady's a Dolphin. Remember, it nearly happened last year. And listen, I, it could all be true. <laughs> but he claims Brady's adopting a cat for his daughter. Is too time-consuming for a comeback. I love it. <laughs> so now the tweet says, listen, you guys think I got nothing going on. <laughs> I just adopted a two-year-old kitten for my teenage daughter. <laughs> my life is full. I can barely handle this. You guys want me to think about playing? Get it. But you're right. I mean... Not revamping a career, but revamping a, a personality from leaving New England. All started going on the Stern Show and letting loose there. And his PR people have been great ever since. By the way, we had a question as to why it is that Brady's counting $35 million against the Bucks cap this year. It's because when they did his last contract, his cap hit last year was $11.9 million. Think about that. His cap hit was $11.9 Now, 
How do they do that? Well, they spread out bonus money. Now, it's not the money he put in the bank last year. He put a lot more than that. But they gave him a, you know, here you go. Then when you retire or get cut, all the future signing bonus stuff, that has to go immediately onto the cap. Well, this year he was supposed to get a 10-point, nearly $8 million signing bonus. Same with 24 and 25 and 2.8 in 2026. So you got to throw it all on the cap. You add it all up, $35,104,000. And that's why Kyle Trask is the Buccaneers quarterback. I mean, that, <laughs> right. that's it. They, they, are, they are literally hitting the reset button. And that's why you and I have been talking about this for a while, but what does Tampa do with players that they have under contract? Is it time to look to trade some players? Is it time to rebuild this? So they're $55 million over. They're going to move on from Lenny. That's going to save them around six. They announced yesterday they're moving on from Donovan Smith. That's going to save them this year's cap, 10. You know, 8 million dead cap hit, but he was scheduled to make nearly 18. So they're saving 10. They're going to move on from Cameron Brait. That's going to save them like four. So basically, the money they've still yet to account for, according to our math, is the Brady money. They've cut 20 of the 55. Cameron Brait, Leonard Fournette, Donovan Smith. Now they got to work on the Brady 35. And that's where the restructuring gets into place. Right. Look to see Tampa try to rework some deals next week for some guys and yep. kick the can down the road a little bit further. Turn contracts into bonus money. Owner's got to take some money out of his pocket, give it to the players up front, and then, yes, kick. And obviously what you want to do is kick the can down the road with players you think you're going to have down the road. That's why, you know, it. if the Bucks, we brought this up the other day, now would be the time to do the long-term deal with Devin White. Of course, the problem is you've got a week to do it. That's if you want to do a long-term deal with Devin White. Because then you could actually lower his cap hit for this year and have him long-term, which would be good, spread out the signings and all that. You know, if you're the Bucks, quite frankly, who a guy who's going to go into their ring of honor, I don't think he's going to the Hall of Fame, but I think he's definitely a ring of honor guy. Levante David. It's the leader of your defense. Still a very good player. Not the great player he was when you won the Super Bowl, but still a very good player. And consistently better than Devin White, in my opinion. What do you do? How many more years does Levante David have? I think he's only got one year left on his contract. Bite the bullet now? That's a tough cut, by the way. That's a tough one. But if you are trying to, in a short period of time, retool this football team, get cap friendly, and get yourself positioned to win in 24, 25, 26, these are the hard moves that you have to make. So, you know. So that's kind of where we think the Bucks are and what they need to be doing 
looking forward and a little explanation as to how they got into the predicament that they're in with the dead cap money with Tom Brady. 21,000, that is the text line. If you agree, disagree, or have thoughts of your own on the Tampa Bay Bucks, love to hear them there. Seth Everett coming up in about 10 minutes' time. Shelby Mass coming up in the bonus hour, only available in the 239. If you want to hear Shelby's comments on what's going on bracket-wide, be a good time to join us on twitch.tv slash Miller and Moulton. Like talking about kicking the can with Levante David, okay? If they if they don't do something with Levante in the next week, then he can become a free agent. But they have to absorb a $7 million cap hit. Well, do you want him or not? And if so, you could rework a deal with him and probably cut that $7 million down to two or three for this year. Saves you five of the $30 million. So, you know, I mean, I've already said, if I'm Tampa Bay, I'm bottoming out this year. We took our three-year run. We made the playoffs three straight years. That, <laughs> that's not a small accomplishment in the history of the Tampa Bay Bucks, by the way. They'd done it once before. That's it. They'd won six playoff games, period, before this three-year run. They won five playoff games during the three-year run. Won their Super Bowl. Thank you very much. Going to bottom out. I can win this division in 2024. I really can. But I got to bottom out in 2023. Yeah, because where's the threat in the division? There is none right now. Carr's the best quarterback in the division. Also, Think about it's that. It's also guaranteed that this is the first time in 50 years in the NFL, by the way, that all the quarterbacks in the division will be different the next year. I mean, it's guaranteed. Baker Mayfield was a starter in Carolina. You know, uh, Jameis, Brady, okay, and Mariota. You got to go back to like the AFC West in 74, the last time something like this happened. But, I mean, I'm willing to trade Mike Evans, trade Devin White, walk away from Levante David. I'm willing to do things like that. It doesn't seem like Tampa Bay is willing to do it. Would you do it, Mark? Absolutely. It's time to tear this down. There's no other place for them to go. Welcome back to Miller and Moulton, only on the Florida Sports Network. Twenty-two minutes before the hour is up, this day and time of the week. That means Seth Everett, Sports with Friends, Hall of Justice, and Tech Stream. Follow him on Twitter at Seth underscore Everett. He is a proud Syracuse alum, and despite the woes of their basketball team, he is wearing his Syracuse T-shirt, dreaming the impossible dream yeah. of an ACC tournament run. Yeah, right. <laughs> In all seriousness, you've got a longtime legendary coach. He's been there too long. Too okay? long. But, you know, I mean, Florida State fans listening, they went through this with Bobby Bowden. You know, I mean, 
you hope actually as a fan of your favorite college team that you get to go through this at some point in time. It means yeah, you've had yeah, a legendary yeah. run. Oh, no, I, I don't take anything away from uh, his legacy. Um, you know, we uh, Syracuse beat Wake uh, in the regular season finale on Saturday. Uh, they play Wake again in the 8-9 game today. They can, they can beat that game. Um, then they play uh, uh, Miami tomorrow. Okay, right. Seth, nobody cares not winning about that. Syracuse in the ACC tournament. My point is, okay, so what is it that you and your fellow Syracuse people in the media who talk to one another all the time? All the time. All the time. It's a never-ending text chain. Exactly. Guys really need to go on vacation and have a Snickers yeah. and take a nap. But <laughs> what is it that you want to see done? You know, like Florida State fan was really torn for a long time. And then finally the plan was kind of put together. Jimbo, three years, blah, blah, blah. And they still forced him out a year early. What is it that oh. you guys want to see done? Oh, I would love for him to announce at the end of either today or tomorrow, because they could win today, uh, and just say, Jerry McNamara's the new coach. We'll see ya. <laughs> or... Or uh, announce that uh, he's going to go through one more run. And, you know, college basketball is in such uh, disarray with this transfer portal. Uh, just go on a, on a fact-finding, you know, and just load up on a bunch of juniors, you know, and just kind of do a, like a work-for-hire kind of thing and make a, sure. make, a, you know, make a nice little, you know, farewell season where they, they, they return to respectability and let him go out on his own kind of terms. But... Okay. One of those two things, uh, e either way, uh, it's just, it's awkward. It, it feels awkward. Um, they're just, uh, the team is, is, is barely treading water and it's not doing anything. So right. uh, there's I'm no vision and, and college basketball, you know, is, is in that state of flux, this transfer portal to me, there, no team has any flow to it. So, you know, as an, as, as a fan, uh, I, I don't know from one year to the next, what I, what I do as a, as a fan is, I introduced myself to the team in the beginning of the year and you know, they have this freshman guard that I'm kind of interested in, but I don't think he's going to be there. And my reasoning is, is I don't think he's going to the NBA, but I don't think he's going to be in Syracuse next year. It is really difficult to yeah. follow. I mean, you know, college football is one thing because it's just more about the pads and the, and the coach and the quarterback to, to a lesser yeah. extent, but you're right. College hoop, which it is all the coach. And now with the transfer portal, the coach has been limited. Or in Bayheim's case, I don't think he's, you know, he's not wanted to jump in the portal the way others have. Correct. Correct. And, you know, he just, he, he, he snapped at some students uh, in, a, in a press conference twice this year. It just, he just seems like he's out of touch. And uh, I think the time is, has come. And I, I just, I do think he, he deserves all of his accolades. Um, you know, I don't, I don't want to waste time on your segment, but give him all of his vacated wins back because I think that's stupid. Um, but just let him go. Let him give you, they've already named the court after him. Put a big banner with his wins. Do whatever you want to do, but move on. Didn't know that we were going to go down this road, but the new president of the NCAA to me is interesting for two reasons. First off, he's not Mark Emmert, who was just a clown. Right. All right. But secondly... He's a politician. Here's why I think this could be a good thing. What is it that the NCAA and a lot of people in college athletics guys think needs to happen? They need some help from Congress. 
they need some legislation. Now, they may be wrong, and it may not be forthcoming, but I actually think if you need help from the politicians, probably not a bad thing to have a former politician be the one reaching out saying, hey, could use a little help here. Yeah, but, you know, uh, when, when it was my birthday and I was getting all the, the, the birthday texts from people who actually texted, um, the, the people, uh, a couple of college basketball insiders uh, who I'm not going to name drop, um, we, we had this conversation and the, their argument is it's not broke. The value of the NCAA tournament has never been higher. And so, you know, I've had this conversation on my podcast. I've had it with you guys. The regular season has diminished and the tournament has blown up. They don't care. The tournament is is alive and well. The tournament's going to be a massive success from a media standpoint, from a from a sales standpoint, from a merchandising standpoint. And the three of us could be on the championship team and nobody cares. Nobody cares about the players. The players are not marketed. It's the jerseys. It's the teams. And it's the gambling. And that's all college basketball has become. And so from, from a fan of a team standpoint, what I feel badly for are the, the, the North Carolina fans and the, the, the people in the college-only town, the Lexington, Kentucky fans, the, the people who their whole sports mar- city revolves around this college town and these college teams, they have a void. But college basketball on its own is not broken because the NCAA tournament is thriving. Well, it's interesting that you say that too because they're trying to break it to me because they're trying to they're talking about expanding the tournament. I'm curious with your college basketball people that you talk to where they stand on expanding this thing because Seth, to us it would be death. Yeah, I didn't ask that. If I had gotten a text from you, maybe I would have asked. That that comment it was Seth's birthday over the weekend. I noticed it on social media. <laughs> I thought about texting him. I said, ah, "I'll just wait till Wednesday and wish him happy oh. birthday then." <laughs> Apparently, I could never do that again. <laughs> I'm going to text hi every Wednesday just to make sure he knows that I care. (laughs) Well, Seth, like we have already established, though, since you Syracuse media types have this, you know, 731 people involved in this text chain and all you do Uh, is just talk about yourselves, you'd just be the one to bring it up next time. I mean, it'll go on for days. Yeah, Tariko would be like, who's this? (laughs) But he would respond. Because yeah, right, that's would. Mike Tarico. He, he would respond. Go orange. Okay, from the players, he would respond. What time is your podcast air? <laughs> uh, Seth Everett, Sports and Friends Hall of Justice and Tech Stream. Follow him on Twitter at Seth underscore Everett. Hey, have you heard anything more? Two weeks ago, we had the big discussion about Bally's and it's going dark yeah. and then the whole deal. Um. Have you heard anything specific from anybody as to what they're going to do? I mean, the deadline's coming up here. Opening day's three weeks tomorrow. Yeah, it, it's um, it it's it's much more complicated than I can do it justice for. Uh, what they're trying to do, and the reason why they haven't officially filed for bankruptcy, is they're trying to renegotiate deals. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to uh, get another sports outlet to uh take on the contracts uh 
Uh, first, they were trying to do it at the regular price. That wasn't going to happen. Now they're trying to negotiate some kind of a hybrid price. Um, baseball wants to uh, own the rights and air the games themselves. My interest in the whole thing is well, what happens to the broadcasters, the uh, the production people, the camera people. You know, who puts these games together? Um, you know, Apple has just announced that they have this new in-house, no blackouts, uh, completely in-house MLS. It's called Season Pass. Right. And you, they own every game. They're doing a very Premier League style where on a typical day, uh, let's say there's five MLS games, they put uh, Team 1 on one game, Team 2 on Game 2, you know, and so on and so forth. It's not there's not a Arsenal announcer, a Liverpool announcer, a Manchester United announcer. That's 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 the model. They they don't have home announcers. And what they what what the MLS is trying to mimic that. In baseball, if MLB gets that, are they going to put Angels announcers on the Angels games? Are they going to put Tigers announcers on the Tigers game or are they going to just have MLB announcers on all of this stuff. And where are those announcers coming from? Who's paying them? The other thing that's not getting reported is everybody's so concerned because opening day is, you know, three weeks away of where are our fans going to get the games? I am very confident talking to enough people in this thing on my birthday. The idea that that uh, the 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 games will be available. The if you want to where somewhere, meaning what it's probably going to be is an MLB Productions uh, uh, broadcast, and it's going to be available on cer certain cable systems. It will definitely be available online. It will definitely be on available online. It'll be on some streaming service, probably MLB.tv. The idea is no one is talking about the lost revenue. And I and I'm not doing a podcast on this yet because it's so fluid, it would be outdated the minute we did it. I don't understand if you are a team, one of the four, 16 teams that is not being carried by a soon to be bankrupt network, how you are not putting tens of millions of dollars into your payroll and calling up every one of these teams that is suddenly strapped for cash and trying to get your players, those players. Because if you are going to have a league where half the league is, is making their payroll and half the league is not, the teams that are like the Baltimore Orioles and the Washington Nationals, just as an example, which are making their full regional sports network money have no excuse not to win at least 90 games this year. Yeah, except the Nats suck. I know. But besides that, also they're for sale. I know. All right, which is, which is a bit of and, – and actually this whole demise of the regional cable system is affecting the Nats sure. sale, the they're, Angels they're... sale, and, and, and others. My buddy uh, Wayne Randazzo, who left the Mets radio mm -hmm. to go become an Angels announcer, uh, I found out his contract is with the team. So he works for the team. But everyone in his production crew that's not an announcer right. works for the network. 
Correct. They're all freelancers. They're Correct. all out of work. Seth, right. don't these Bally Sports still cover NHL first round too? What happens to games like well, that? What I've been told is that for the NBA and the NHL, uh, the payments have all been made. So that everything for this NBA and NHL season, uh, anything that's on a regional network is going to air. So the regional network isn't going to cease to exist in the next, I mean. From what I understand, it's not going to cease to exist. It's not, it's just, be, they, they may lose the rights. So, for example, Bally's uh, Dallas is going to lose the rights to the Texas Rangers. Gotcha. Whether, if they shutter their doors, if they shut down, if they completely shut down, then the, the, the Dallas Stars playoff game will air somewhere. And if I, if I remember correctly, uh, all four rounds are national somewhere. I think they were last year. All four rounds in the NHL, at least, were on national TV somewhere, if I remember correctly. All don't, right, I can't quote me on that because I don't. I haven't made the playoffs in four years, so I don't know. All right. Um, we got 60 seconds. Sports with Friends Hall of Justice text chain. It's easy. Uh, Hall of Justice is still, uh, we have two more weeks till we can come back. We're going to come back on the 23rd of March with uh, Shazam 2, Electric Boogaloo. Um, yeah, we're doing some really neat things. We have a new partnership um, that is, uh, that I'm ready to announce. I, I can't yet. Uh, it's so cool. Uh, you'll believe a man can fly. How about that? Uh, I'll say, I'll say that it's, it's so amazing. Uh, Tech stream returns next week. Uh, that we had some stuff under the hood uh, that we had to figure out, iron out, similar to the problem with the Hall of Justice, but uh, TechStream returns next week. Sports with Friends, today is International Women's Day. I want to celebrate with you all, uh, celebrate the women that you know. We have Olympic silver medalist Devin Logan. Uh, she's a freestyle skinner, uh, skier. She won uh, silver in Sochi in 2014. She's part of a new... Uh, ski and snowboard uh, group called Heroic. She is fantastic. It is an inspiring conversation. Just a, an amazing person. And she is my guest on Sports with Friends this week, Devin Logan, on the podcast. She was amazing. Seth Everett, thanks for your time, buddy. Thanks for having me. Follow him on Go Twitter. Go Orange. And Seth underscore Everett. I sat next to an uh, Olympic softball player on the way back on a flight on uh, Sunday. Nice. Yeah, won a silver medal in Tokyo. She's had a hell of a career. Miller and Moulton, thanks for listening. Florida Sports Network.